Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to uh, the first episode of CIO Leadership Live for 2019. Happy New Year to all of our viewers. And before I dive into our interview today with Joe Spagnoletti, who is the CIO of USLBM, I wanted to mention that we are going to be tinkering with our format going into the new year. We are scaling back to a 45-minute broadcast and interview, and then from those interviews going forward, we're going to pull out specific topics that we can kind of mix and match different CIOs on. So we will have many more products and things for you to click on and look at when you come and you join us on Twitter. So thanks for being here today. And let me welcome our guest. As I mentioned, Joe is the VP and CIO of USLBM, which is a New Jersey-based $3 billion-plus business. It's a collection of building material distributors across 30 different states. It's one of the largest such distributors in its industry and one of the fastest-growing companies as well. Joe joined LBM in late 2017 after spending three years running his own IT advisory and consulting firm. Also during the last 11 years, he has been working with Cooper University Healthcare as a member of the Board of Trustees. And last year, he served as an adjunct professor at the Fox School of Business at Temple University. Here at CIO, we've known Joe for many, many years, from his 18-year tenure as the, at the iconic Campbell Soup Company, where he was a senior vice president and CIO. Joe, welcome here. It's delightful to have you. Well, it's, great to, it's great to hear that. I, I would never have been able to summarize that myself. Well, I, one, <laughs> thing, one thing editors have to learn how to do is summarize. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's start out. I know from, from when we talked a little earlier and I got to learn all about USLBM, uh, one of the things that stuck out to me was the unique nature of the way the company is using technology as a market differentiator. So I wanted you to let's start out with that and, and tell me what you mean by that. Yeah, sure. So um, you, the, the lumber and building materials industry is not typically known for being very high tech. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a very progressive thinking and an energetic, energetic CEO, LT Gibson. And when LT founded this company, he comes from a long background in this industry. He, he, he's, he's quite technically adept himself. Um, and he realized that, that there was an opportunity to, to take out costs and do things differently in this industry. Um, and, and as such, he's, he's kind of woven tech into the fabric of this company. So there's an expectation every day that mm-hmm. that technology is something that we will use to to help drive more commonality, to make move things faster, um, more importantly to serve. Like he he really sees technology as a as a tool to serve um, our, you know, more than 30 operating companies that that we actually have um, at USLBM. Yeah. Well, and I've I've always been fond of the idea of IT not just aligning with or even serving the business but accelerating the business. That's been a favorite mm-hmm. hobby horse of mine over the years. Yeah, and you know, we it, our business model, um, we we acquire um, and we we grow organically. Um, but a lot of these companies that are all market leaders in their area, over the years, have not invested lots of money in technology, right. and it's difficult to to sort of break that barrier to to jump ahead. Um, the great thing about the design of this company is that that the IT function is a we're there to to your point accelerate mm-hmm. and bring capabilities to these operating companies that they didn't ha- they couldn't get easily on their own. Yeah. Um, 
but not change sort of who they are. So think of it as a, as a, as a high-tech digital chassis that mm-hmm. we should be able to, any company, whether it be a lumber or building materials company, any sort of company, if, it, if it's going to help us serve our customers better, the, the technology that we're putting in place, we should be able to plug them into in a safe, reliable, cost-effective way mm-hmm. um, and help them deliver their business their way better, cheaper, faster. Yes. Well, and you mentioned um, that this is essentially a $3 billion-plus startup, certainly in the way it approaches and thinks about the market, but the company is not brand new. Company isn't no. I think we're over ten years old now, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's grown very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that speed has been um, leveraging scale as it's been scaling, right? And technology has been a way we've done that with some ERP systems and and some some analytics that that existed is sort of in their space as this company grew. But essentially, we are. We, we behave and we work as a startup. We don't really have a corporate headquarters. We have a mailing address, um, mm-hmm. but the IT team, the, 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 the majority of them um, are based out of Hamilton, New Jersey. Um, but we are a very large teleworker corporate environment. So we don't actually have a, a sort of big center of gravity. So we are, we've been designed to be quick, to make decisions, to connect, to be mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so who we are is, is about is about accountability and delivery, not so much about structure and hierarchy and facilities and facades. So, yeah. so when you think about that, it's it's very much like a startup. Mm-hmm. We we sort of see where we have to go. The bureaucracy is incredibly low, and the accountability is incredibly high. So we mm-hmm. are we're growing. We're not cutting and slashing, but we're incredibly cost conscious. Yeah. So so we we are always looking for ways to deliver things cheaper. It's a little unusual. A lot of times when companies are in scale up mode, mm-hmm. they. they spend a little recklessly just to get where they have to go and they sort of bring it all back and, and sharpen it up. We are not that way. We we are actually the opposite. We sharpen and make sure that we've gotten the most out of what we can do before we we grow or, okay. or invest more. So what's happening is we're 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 able to invest in IT continuously, I believe, for quite a while and still not get to that place because of the company's growth rate. Okay. Well, and a little later we'll talk about some of the more specific technology initiatives that you have underway because all this was not necessarily in place when you got there a year ago. This is a lot of what you've been building and the foundation that has been changing and all. One of the terms you used when we talked, you said that uh, you want to be organizationally light, network light, server light, and that this was the new IT light. When you think about new IT light, not just at USLBM, but what you're seeing maybe out in the market, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so so we have this sort of vision of like methodically, deliberately, and quietly accelerating at the speed of light. That's our mm-hmm. mantra, right? Okay. And the speed of light is not faster than you know the speed of sound or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the it's the speed at which the world evolves services. So I think of light. If we're if we're organization light, network light, and server light, it means we're using a lot of cloud services. We're using third parties. We're using industry available tools and capabilities. We want to accelerate at the speed that the industry does, so we don't have to create or invent things to 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 make business run. If a if a if if we acquire an organization, they have capabilities that work perfectly well, and they're very 
cough managed, and, but we need to plug them into something. We don't want to have to invent something to connect them together. So this concept of speed of light, mm-hmm. it's the speed of a lightweight industry, infrastructure and a lightweight operating model, but can, but, but, but actually can leverage the scale of, of industry, of the tech industry, mm-hmm. to deliver the things that we need to deliver at the speed that they can support. Um, and I think that helps keep our costs down. Um, we it, it sort of keeps us current all the time. You know, this you, you have a tendency to sort of overinvest in things, and then they you, you sort of have to bleed them down. Um, we've taken the opposite approach, which is let's not let's try not to own anything. Let's try to be in a in a in a consumable model. And if the service isn't isn't meeting its needs anymore, consume a different service, but not have to unwire the place and rewire the place right, back up. Right. 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 Not have to. I was going to say not have to rip out legacy, although anytime you make a transition like this, there is certainly a a certain amount of legacy moving that has to go on. Um, Let me just veer uh, to another topic about your own background. And you're, you know, you come from a very big enterprise at Campbell. You've done your own consulting. You're on a board of directors and all that. How do you think your background has essentially prepared you for this kind of a CIO role? Yeah, I, I, I think we, I think there's a lot of folks who are in the kind of role that I was in prior when I was at Campbell, mm-hmm. where you've worked your whole career to, to learn and to grow and you do big hairy things and you have successes and failures and all those sort of things. And you always, you're always looking for that opportunity to do it again, but you'd like to do it again and, and sort of to roll do your right. lessons learned forward, essentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and quite honestly, pay it forward by building some talent so mm-hmm. that so that you can actually leave leave that legacy of learning behind you. Mm-hmm. And it's really rare to find a company that's growing that is willing to invest in technology that has scale to do mm-hmm. things large. Um, and does not have bureaucracy. I think the three thing I think the three things that really impressed me about this kind of companies, first of all, it was growing. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is high complexity because I know folks that are in the kind of roles that I was in, you're you're dealing with so many facets of technology and policy Business and strategy. you know all those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and and it does, has a very contemporary corporate culture. So a lot of times to get scale, you have to get bureaucracy, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's, this is sort of like a, so I think all the work that I've done in, in building sort of enterprise shared services and dealing with policy and dealing with cyber and and some of the external things that we've done in regulated businesses gives you the uh, gives you the ability to sort of walk in here and and put a landscape of vision for what could work um, based on where you ended up not having to do all the lessons learned again and I think that the fact that we are complex the fact that we have a very contemporary decision model in corporate culture um, gives us the ability to 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 create a very large company quickly with all with that contemporary learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a it's a really rare opportunity, and, and CIOs that get the opportunity to do this kind of thing, it's incredibly gratifying yeah. because people pick it up and they run with it because they can see the value in it. Yeah, well, I've definitely gotten the sense in talking to you recently that you're having a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. And as we talked before this, I did have a head of hair and I will change my picture. It, <laughs> it, is, it is very, very tiring. I was totally not going to bring up your hair, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, it's, it's tiring, but it's, 
it's it's sort of like energizing. Like mm-hmm. you, you go to bed every night like in a ball of flames, excited to wake up and continue the journey okay. because you there's so much. Uh, it, it you don't have to break things and you you can you're 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 putting things together. It's like right, right. It, it's like being a master architect and builder with a company who craves it. And and you know there's there's some really interesting things about a startup in mindset, mm-hmm. which is. This, the, I talk about this all the time, shadow IT. We don't ever think here about shadow IT because the goal is to, is to improve our customer experience and to grow our business. Our mindset is there's a set of things we do at a corporate level. And there's things that are done locally. And our job is to create services that make the local things better, cheaper, faster, not rip it out and replace it. Right. If if there's things that we need to do with perfectly fine, but, but we, and if, if my HR person comes to me and says, listen, I want to put a portal in great. Here's the rules, right? LDAP compliant, SAML compliant, right. find the thing that works best for the company. We'll help you make sure it connects up. Well, we'll make sure that it's safe and secure with our company, what the rules are, but you can go. And it's a totally different model because that person is then empowered to make the choices themselves to get the help that they need. Mm-hmm. And if it's good for the company, it's good for the company. It doesn't. The function plays a, a very limited role in that process, and we do that everywhere. Well, and it's it's essentially enablement instead of control. We are we are completely yeah. a service function. We are yeah. not a control function. Okay, let's fly up to the thirty thousand foot view, uh, a bit over your industry. I'm interested in. What is what are the big disruptors going on in the building materials uh, industry right now, and how are customer demands and expectation expectations changing? How are they shaping what uh, companies like yours need to do? Okay, I'm new to the industry relatively, so we'll you know we'll caveat that. Um, but my experience the past twelve or so months has been that there's a lot of consolidation taking place in our industry. Mm-hmm. And with that consolidation, you have smaller locally owned businesses that have personalities and ways of doing things. And as those as those things come together, the more senior folks are taking that this moment to step away and, and leaving the operation in the hand of the next generation. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the and I've, I've seen this several times so far. And they these are folks who understand their business incredibly well but have a different vision for how to operate it using more contemporary capabilities just mm-hmm. because they just have more experience with that in their life. Yeah. So what's happening is is we're sort of at this this place where they don't know how they would do it, but they know that they really would like to be able to do it because it affects things like attraction and retention, mm-hmm. performance. I think you're seeing the same thing with our customers as well, that that our customers, because they now have the opportunity to interface with more contemporary service providers, mm-hmm. the bar starts to raise up. The challenge, I think, for folks in, in technology in our industry mm-hmm. is that the fence right now is straddled by both sides. We have we have in in single organizations those that that are working sort of more the legacy ways and those that would like to work in a bit more contemporary way and what's what happens is you you, in some respects you've got to satisfy both you have to be respectful of the history 
and you have to be ingenious of sort of about the transformation in a way that that doesn't disrupt it accelerates to your you know your earlier yeah. point well and it sounds that a lot of it sounds like a lot of what is going on is essentially being driven further down in the grassroots by the customers of your customers yeah so it it does because if you think here's here's a great example like we have, we have, we own kitchen design centers right mm-hmm. uh, and new young homeowners they walk into a kitchen design center they they might expect to walk in there and put a VR headset on and walk in their kitchen before ever spending the money on the product. Right. That's something that we offer, right, in, in yeah. some of our showrooms. Um, so, so, and then there's folks who are going to want to walk in and see a design and have someone come on premise with them and, and, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. We're, we're as, a, as a company, we're trying to satisfy that life cycle and make investments sort of a little bit ahead of the curve so that we will be ready when those next folks come in. So I think that... Um, I think that that sort of in a microcosm is what we're seeing across our all parts of the industry, whether it's on the lumber side or the, the sort of home center side, mm-hmm. is that it's the, the customer base is shifting and the customer customer base is shifting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and to that point, you mentioned that you've got a, a pretty decent mobile app these days. Talk a little bit about what you built into that and why customers uh, are downloading it. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a so we we have a, a pretty um, unique product um, and our customers have the ability once their orders are placed um, to be able to track their order, their billing um, while in transit. Very FedEx like mm-hmm. one of the challenges that you have in our industry is sort of that because we are. We're we're not just a supplier. We are also a distribution company, a logistics company, right? Um, and being able to mix both the whole manufacturing because we manufacture things, we we transport, getting that timing from end to end with all the different pieces. And there's a very challenging thing. And we've been able to cobble together through some some, some pretty sophisticated technology and GPS work to to provide visual and sort of logistical information to our customers on site. The great thing about it is that it, it, it's got these sort of security capabilities where a foreman can see their job, a manager can see multiple foremans and jobs, a customer can see their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a customer of my company that did some home things. I could see, I, I was able to, to do things on there with pictures and app and, and so you're, you're basically, You've taken you've you've taken the customer and your customers customer possibly if if you choose to go that far um, and enroll them in the process so they're not left wondering so if you think about putting a crew on site it might rain today do they show up or not do we deliver the stuff or not mm-hmm. that that's a dialogue and that's yeah. money and that's time and that's there's a lot of logistics that go into that especially if it's very large or if we're delivering in New York City right there's a mm-hmm. lot of commitment there. so being able to have that dialogue from the supplier through the customer and the transportation all together is really unique. And, and okay. we do that at a very discreet level. Okay. Now, I think most most Americans, when we think about remodeling and home building, we think about the two big guys, the Home Depot and the Lowe's of the world. Where do, What is the relationship with LBM and those two giants? Is it that your direct customers are working with Home Depot and Lowe's and those sorts of bigger companies? Now, now, well, actually, we service the professional builder mm-hmm. um, and 
home remodelers. So the there's a certain there's a certain level of quality product that we provide that may not be available in, in the big box stores. There's there's a certain level of service in terms of um, professional services that go along with our products. I won't mm -hmm. get into all of them, but but that that differentiate us. We're neighborhood driven or we're community driven. So um, the professional builders that, that that are working with us are folks that that have been probably customers of ours for many many years for decades. Okay. And so so mm -hmm. we're we, what's 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 um, special about us, I think, is that we're we're broadline and we're full service. And other than a few um, sort of pro product areas, you know, we can service uh, a home builder almost from bottom to top. Um, and 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 more importantly, be that reliable service delivery person, um, quality, accuracy, pricing. Um, because we are so large and we are broad-lined, we have the ability to create scale in our pricing models for our customers. So we have the ability to afford them certain quality of product at prices that you couldn't get from other types of um, okay. suppliers. Okay. Well, and I was just thinking so far in our conversation, you have sounded more like uh, a top business executive than a top technology executive. So I feel like I'm required to ask you about tech at some point. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the tech initiatives. Um, I know you've got an upgrade of the ERP platform going on where you're moving that into the cloud. A lot of it is cloud-based, what you're doing with Enterprise Data Warehouse and so forth. So uh, sketch out for us going into 2019, what are the big tech initiatives you're working on? Okay, so we are, and uh, we are moving very um, directly out of the off-prem market, right? So, so yeah. we we are moving to cloud-based services. It's a declared strategy. Mm -hmm. um, in the ERP world, um, we've gone public with this. We are a client of, of Epicor. We're mm -hmm. their BizTrack product, um, and we're in the process right now. And we have a multi-year plan to um, to to up grade our operating divisions into that platform. Um, it is hosted in the in the Epicor world. Um, the, 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 the big opportunity there is it, it gives us a bit more speed and scale versus the things that we're that we're using today. Okay. Um, coupled with that, we are we have a, an enterprise data warehouse that that we have built kind of small scale and now it, it's we're going full scale with it. It's a it's a it's a MicroStrategy product set on Oracle and Oracle ODI, all mm -hmm. in the cloud, mm -hmm. um, and and that will be designed to be the sort of centralized hub for um, for all that we do. Okay. Um, and we're actually um, in the process of uh, upgrading our entire um, email and communication to Office 365. Mm -hmm. um, we have we because we've been we grow through acquisition and organically. Um, greenfields, those sorts of things. There's so much movement in the operations of our business that's you, you sort of can't just do this sort of monolithic thing. You have to have you have to be able to bolt things in along the journey, and voila, you're eventually there. We mm -hmm. do it basically. We do it based on value and impact to the company. Yeah. So our email rollout or whatever we're doing in the, the entire 365 suite mm -hmm. versus the types of information. Um, and locations that will take our enterprise data warehouse reporting and, and analytics to, and the and the the ERP system, those are actually they're not. It's not a sort of a, a linear sort of schedule. Mm -hmm. They're pieces going in different places based on impact, 
Um, so think of it as sort of a portfolio view of a portfolio value view, yep. and that's the way we're driving it. Um, well, we I was are thinking very, that it's almost like a service catalog approach. It, it is, it's exactly a service catalog. As a matter of fact, we have an enterprise service catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we do track our legacy technology, mm-hmm. our future technology. Um, so we are we are managing um, lifecycle from on-prem to cloud based on value. Um, and it is it is the way we actually when we do an acquisition we assess our technology sort of plug in. Um, we may acquire a company that has that's technically astute and there's a few things that we could offer. There's some that that have absolutely nothing, and we use the service catalog and this and a and a sort of a centralized deployment model um, using our business partners. So whether it's HR or operations or finance who take the lead in most cases in presenting those services to the operating company. So for example, if it's, we, we acquire a new company and we, we use ADP, um, um, the HR team has the ability to go out and to work with that operating company immediately bringing them onto that platform. Yeah. And it's not an IT challenge that it's all been designed so that as long as they get into the service what they need everything else will flow as it needs to flow so think about corporate it service catalog as a chassis with all these you know Mm -hmm. server capability adapters that and that that is the model that we've over the last 12 months we've been building okay and um, one of the things we also talked about in the tech space was about uh, your cybersecurity platform uh, because you said you you want to make sure it's an enabler, not a blocker. Uh, tell me where that, because you've got 32 different divisions that you're essentially offering these services to, and there's a whole lot of customer data that's involved in all there that. There is. So we, if you think about classes of data mm-hmm. and points of connection, there are some that are much more critical you know, to the daily operation or sensitive than others. Um, we, we basically classify the way we um, connect and protect mm-hmm. um, with, our, with our operating companies. So um, we use Meraki Hash Networks. Um, we have the ability to, if, if, if a, we acquire a company, to, to make, we, we, we have a program where we make sure they're clean. We're, um, we, use, we use Carbon Black. We, we use a company called Blue Voyant for our SOC. And we actually we actually make sure that the operating environment is clean by putting some agents in there. We'll drop them rocky and connect them up. And then from that point, access to systems is either given through Citrix or VPN or something based on sensitivity. So we have the ability to take financial data in a safe way and put it into our enterprise data warehouse without connecting it directly, mm-hmm. if that's necessary. But but ideally, um, we 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 protect in sort of layers. Um, and we don't let too many things connect to anything. So if you think about where we're going with all these cloud services and being a service catalog, mm-hmm. you know, we are one login, single sign-on shop, um, and we use the, those sort of credentials to connect to those services and, and so that we have a control point. So ideally, you want to you be able to take your catalog and in that single sign-on tool, associate those capabilities with those folks and whatever the method is that we deliver that whether it's cloud direct whether it's through citrix or vpn or Mm -hmm. client or whatever that is we we are trying to be completely device agnostic um and location agnostic so that if you're you know out working on a tablet at your campsite somewhere Mm -hmm. and you get a wireless you can get internet connection you should be able to work as if you're working in your office the exact same way okay 
Well, a lot of what we've been talking about is actually very much enabled by the state of technology today, the different emerging technologies and how they are impacting your business. Um, I would imagine, for instance, that this is much faster, maybe not less complicated, but much faster and more guaranteed to do than, say, building a very bureaucracy-heavy enterprise approach to cybersecurity. Uh, what have you noticed about that most in the past year? I think when you decide you're not going to be control-oriented uh -huh. and you're going to be service-oriented, you have to realize that there's only so many things you can offer, yep. right? Yep. Um, and they have to be targeted at sort of certain use cases. Okay. So as technology has gotten better and we can, we can classify information flow and all that sort of stuff, mm -hmm. we can tune the services that we offer to specific classes of data to protect them. That makes it a whole lot easier to roll out. On the flip side, it makes it much more complex to see. Because yeah. where before you'd have sort of like this, you know, big old security hub and all these people doing user access and all sort of stuff. Command centers, we, yeah. <laughs> we we have a little command center. Uh -huh. It's like two. It's like a person or two, you know. Um, <laughs> but they they protect very specific things very deeply. Yeah. Um, and we 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 rely on our partners to do their piece. So mm -hmm. you know, in this cloud model, the partners' capabilities are inherently redundant. They're, they're our, we account on them through our contractual processes and those sorts of things to protect certain classes of data certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, and when we connect, we only will connect certain ways depending on those classes of data. So we have many more points of connection, but we, don't, we only manage connection to those places. We don't have to manage the thing or any further beyond that itself. So even in our operating companies, there's some where we'll just drop something on the edge because mm -hmm. what's happening inside is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Or there's some places where we'll, where we'll go with our cyber program much, much deeper because we feel like we have to get our arms around more. Okay. Well, often when I talk with CIOs, um, especially about emerging technologies, right away we're talking about AI and machine learning and robotic process automation and maybe blockchain. Uh, but when I asked you that same question and w when we talked initially, uh, you right away started talking about the whole concept around automation and how much that has changed. Yeah, so we're, if I, you think about sort of the AI world here, um, a lot of a lot of where that that would start to get applied is really in the product management, moving manufacturing side. We're starting to see more automation show up in in these processes. Mm -hmm. But I think the analytics for us around our customers and um, there's a lot of things that affect this industry beyond weather. Um, that, that are really important, and there are a lot of the indicators that we hear about from Wall Street all the time. Um, being able to get out in front of those sorts of um, predictors is a big deal for us. So right now, in our, mm -hmm. we're really focused on analytics. I mean, we're collecting data from lots of places now, and we really our, in our world, it's more the predictive analytics piece of, I, I think, of our investment plan that will pay dividends sooner. Things like blockchain and being able to, you know, verify origin of like where some wood came from, or 
may be important at some points, and I'm sure we do get some, you know, we, we get some of that data today, yeah. but it's not the thing that's going to drive whether or not our customers are going to buy from us at this time, yeah. right? Okay. The machine learning stuff, actually in the AI stuff, I think plays a more important role for us on the cyber side, you know, a la mm-hmm. like a dark trace or something like that, where you think there's more advanced analytics, um, doing monitoring of your 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 sort of behaviors your data behaviors and patterns in your environment to get out in front of uh, in front of threats mm-hmm. i think i think as an industry we probably would get more value in some of those things on that side of the house because this this is a this is a business where it if you were to lose email for a couple of hours it really is like the visa commercial businesses stop running because yeah. it's a very person human to human oriented business. This isn't like where we have a manufacturing plant that's running 15,000 widgets a minute, you know, and they go on giant pallets and, you know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of trucks going to like a massive distribution center in the Midwest. This is sort of like I got, I've got a crew on a site 20 miles away who need this thing there right now. And if that change order didn't drop, and that stuff's more impacted for us by by mistakes or, or, or errors or issues that are taking place in our network or in certain applications. I think for us, a lot of that machine learning and AI sort of stuff in the heartbeat of our company is probably going to be more valuable in the short term than, you know, accounts payable bots and all these, right. you know, okay. kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um let me switch uh, gears once more. Well, I, I, I always tend to um connect these two ideas about things going on with emerging technology and whether CIOs have a specific innovation strategy. Uh, some uh, Sometimes the approach is a very formalized structure. Sometimes it's much more unstructured and kind of easygoing. Um, how would you describe your philosophy and your approach to innovation now in this new role? Yeah, so um, yeah, we have... I guess this is maybe a personal thing, but the concept of innovation, I think of is invention. Coming out of a consumer packaged goods world, you know, innovation was a different thing. It was sort of science-based, it was creation. Yeah. Um, I've, I've tended for many years now to think of in IT as ingenuity. How do you take things that exist and put them together to get more out of them as a whole? Yeah. Um, and I think to me, speed and cost management um, and and value come out of the ingenuity that you get from people coming together with different experiences, understanding things differently, process, technology, mm-hmm. data, and cobbling together things that natively work well together. So you talked about um, the the complexity before. As it's you know, as a startup. We don't have a lot of complexity in all the stuff we have. We have a lot of complexity in all the companies we own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I there's but there's a ton of value to be unlocked in each of those by cobbling together pieces of things of services that we have to to take what they have today, wrap it or shape it or understand it differently, and then service the customer. A big piece of what we're doing uh, in the USLBM sort of centralized IT mm-hmm. group is looking across the operating space. So we have some that use manufacturing and some that do design and some that do installed sales. And, and there's all these capabilities that wrap around those kinds of things. 
the learning from a manufacturing environment to maybe a different sort of install sales environment, are there things to be learned between the two that they, where they naturally would not have overlapped? Yes. We have this 30,000 foot view uh, of, of sort of efficiency and processing capability and data interchange that, that we can bring collections of things together mm -hmm. that people wouldn't have naturally assembled to give them something that they not, wouldn't probably would not have um, sort of imagined to do because they don't see the whole picture. Well, that reminds so, me of that, uh, the marketing slogan that what marketing is there for is to offer you something that you never knew you always wanted. I've always liked that a lot. And for years and years, uh, you know, probably from uh, both of all the time I was with CIO Magazine and then before that at Computer World, we often talked about the CIO role as the helicopter view over the whole environment and just what you were saying, like knowing those different pieces to put together. But lately I've been, I've hit on a better description I think for it where IT is more like a central nervous system. The, the helicopter view felt a little too distant to me, you know, like floating above it all and not really that involved. And the idea of a central nervous system for the company, that, and a lot of what you've said about LBM just seems like you're a demonstration of that idea. Yeah, I think that's it's actually a much better, um, at least in this company, it's mm -hmm. a much better description of the role of IT because as I, as I said at the beginning, it's, it's woven into the fabric. It's not an afterthought in anything. I, 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 I am surprised and delighted all the time how I, I, I'll get a call or I'll get involved in something that in other places you would sort of have to petition to be part of and to say that you weren't the afterthought. And we're here. It's sort of there's just a general recognition that we have to be able to do it. Let's get IT involved now. Let's talk about it before we even get started. Mm -hmm. And because it's a service-oriented model, it's not painful for them. It's okay. sort of what do they need. Um, I think, though, you have to have both because sometimes being woven into the fabric, you miss the big picture. And it's very easy to get further and further and further away from the core if you don't look up top and say, okay. you know, that limb is going away. You need to redirect. Your okay. So I might need to keep the helicopter, but think, then also add the nervous system. Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think the risk that you that you run is, you know, you always have the this sort of this polarizing view of IT is sort of like where we're over the top, or I've become the Martian, right? Yeah. And the two need, they need to coexist mm -hmm. because you need people that are in the weeds and running with it, and you need the good shepherd to kind of push them back along the way. I think the I think that the IT role has to has to be less concerned about the bits and the bytes in the decision making process, yeah, and, and really concerned about them in the execution process. Okay. So you sort of have to separate yourself and say, is it a good thing to do? Um, and then how could we do it? Is it still a good thing to do? Then right. let's do it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Well, let's for. Uh... Another topic that I think is always very mission critical with CIOs, it always comes up in the top three when I ask them what's on their minds, is about talent, about the acquisition and the retention of talent. And whenever I ask about it, 
I, I usually just sort of mentally brace myself for running into a, a whole lot of, you know, issues and problems and challenges and ways they're trying to address it because markets are tight and IT talent, in, especially in some of the big cities, is like 0.0% unemployment. Um, I was surprised to hear what your situation was. So talk about that a little bit, about talent doesn't keep you up at night. Ash is one of the more exciting things that we think about. Okay. We are- Mm-hmm. I say every day here is opposite day. Mm-hmm. Every day when it comes to decision making. <laughs> and, and that's policy, a good thing? It's a great thing okay. all the time. Mm-hmm. Like every day is a great day. Um, talent in particular, the most surprising thing I think about this role is we have grown. Our team has grown. Mm-hmm. Um, we are about maybe 20 miles outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So we have... Um, we have a, a larger market nearby, and a lot of the folks who work in that market kind of live between here and there. Yep. Um, and we we have the three things that that anybody would want. We're growing. We're interestingly complex, and, and there's new stuff to learn. Mm. And we have a really contemporary culture. Like, this is a fun, so so you're not in an ivory tower, you're not going to deal with bureaucracy. You People in, in IT, I believe, want to come to work, grind out every day, demonstrate that they're adding value, and be appreciated for what they're doing. In this environment, there there's not a single person that you run across that you don't interact with, if you do work with them, that they're not only appreciative, but they're vocal about it, they include you, it's, a, it's an incredible... And they hold you accountable. Here, there's no place to escape. Here, we don't have admins. We don't. There's no special little places you duck away. Yeah. People, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to explain. But every person that that we've been exposed to, um, once they once they kind of see what we're doing here, instantly want to be part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not cutting, and we don't have the big re- reorg, transform. All the this is sort of how do we. How do we grow? How do we make this thing run better and faster? So mm. we we've every job that we've posted, we've had many, many people apply. Um, and I'm proud to think that we have A players. We have we we don't have room for B players. We don't we're light shops, so we only, you know, we only hire what we need. Mm-hmm. And everybody's a doer. If you're a manager, you're a doer. If you're a senior manager, you're a, I'm making my own spreadsheets, my own PowerPoints, I'm booking my own meetings and flights and, you know, that's it. Like this, yeah. this is what we do. Yeah. It's, it's liberating. We are not, it, 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 it's, and those CIOs who, who listen to this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You just want to be able to take what you've learned, put it out there, make some choices, get some great people, get it done, have somebody appreciate it. And that's every single day here. Yeah. So, See so I think results. the talent thing here, it's, it's, mm-hmm. And we're all held accountable from top to bottom. There's nobody, just nobody who's not, you know, making it happen every day. One of the, th- and that sounds, it sounds great. It sounds like an ideal situation to have. But I would imagine the tricky part is, as you're talking and working with candidates, how do you figure out the cultural fit? Do you give them <laughs> well, like a psychological test or, you know, how do you actually screen for culture fit? You know, it's great. Though. I don't have to do that myself. Right. Um, I, <laughs> there's only so much you can do, Joe. <laughs> yeah. So we have, there's a, actually there's a there's a very interesting book written about the culture of this company called The Story of Us, um, and it very explicitly describes the intent of the design of the company, 
what has been done and what is expected of people here culturally. It's wow. a, it's, it's a, it's okay. like a cultural expose about this company. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing we do is we have people read that. How right? great. I would love that going into a company saying, here's a book you can read because I still yeah. read. <laughs> and the money goes to charity, which is awesome. We have a foundation. Huh? Um, but, but secondly, we have a talent scout. Um, and her, what she'll do is she actually will pre-screen. She, she assumes that if they, if, if we've passed them through the first screening process, um, whether it's on paper or conversation that, um, that they're technically in the ball game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she, she screens for cultural fit. Okay. Um, and, and they won't make it to an in-person interview if there's not a high degree of likelihood that they would fit culturally. Interesting. Well, I have a, another CIO friend I was talking to, and when you said that you hired doers, uh, that that's really important. He talked about it in terms of wanting to hire more builders. He wanted to get away from hiring managers, and mm-hmm. even though they might be management position, but he wanted people with a builder mindset. And, I agree. And I yep. think that's going on with, and this was the, this particular CIO is at a giant enterprise, you know, a $75 billion company. Imagine how much harder it is to do that with the bureaucracy that you have in place around you. Exactly. Um, my final question for you, Joe, is always the kind of the, uh, when we talked about leadership and balancing all the competing demands on the CIO role, I was very interested that you said we don't have an IT agenda. So tell me what, as the CIO, how do you figure out, how do you collaborate with other business executives there? How do you make sure that you are part of the agenda and that there doesn't need to be a separate IT agenda? Yeah, there doesn't, there's not, there's just a, just a company business agenda, right? So I'm part of the executive leadership team and we meet on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an IT steering committee and we meet monthly and that's with the, the, the executives, both on the operational, um, and on the, the corporate side. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we walk through things at, at the most senior level. So we, we look at our numbers, we look at talent, we look at um, company strategic direction, um, and we make choices to move the company in those places, and IT is part of that decision. Mm-hmm. There are, there's an IT strategy that underpins our ability to do those kinds of things, right? So whether it's cloud or ERP or mobile, all the same things that every, you know, it, there's, there's nothing rocket science there. It's the, it's the how do you... The, I would I would say what's a little different about the managing sort of that agenda mm-hmm. is that we're not managing an IT agenda. The company is okay. managing a business agenda. So if we need to do something, it's going to involve staffing and technology and funding and change management and and this is a do it crowd. So so well, who do we need to do all those things to make that thing happen? It's it, they think about the outcome that we need. A, we need that thing working well. All the parts come together. I take I have a service catalog of offerings that we that we run every day. Mm-hmm. But the change events, the programs, the new things like the ERP or the enterprise data warehouse, those weren't none of them were, you know, sort of contrived through an IT thing. Those were we're making this business change. What are the inhibitors? Mm-hmm. What are the things we need to do? And quite honestly, the participation by the non-IT folks in those is significant, and the ownership is significant. And we're we, you know, we are 
we are a partner in that we are not we're not held accountable for the IT agenda. Right. There's a business agenda and we're woven into that. And everybody's in that. Well, and it, it seems especially with the kind of culture that you have at USLBM and the business you're in, it seems particularly appropriate, you know, that you'd all be builders and, and kind of pitching in together, you know, because think of the way a house gets built, you know, it involves a lot of teams. It, it it actually feels like that. It does feel very, it does not feel corporate -y. It actually feels like we're constructing all the time. Okay. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely great to have you here. And if you joined us late for this terrific conversation with Joe Spagnoletti, who is the CIO at USLBM, you can watch the full episode later today on CIO.com, or you can listen to an audio podcast of the whole interview wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you join us for our next episode, which will be a little later this month on Friday, January 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll be joined here in the studio by Shannon Gath, who is the Vice President and Head of Technology at Amag Pharmaceuticals here in the Boston area. Thanks so much for being with us here today, and I hope you'll join us again next time.